Well, half a day and good afternoon. You're listening to Live Till 5. My name is Chris Harper, filling in today for Pastor Jared Baldwin. He's been off-island for a few weeks. Got to fill in for him a couple of weeks ago. And he was really supposed to be back today, but some flight delays. And he should be back in later tonight. But this afternoon, I get to fill in for Pastor Jared. We'll have all of our, or many of our regular segments today on the program. Of course, I should let you know that you can listen online via khmg.org. So if you happen to be in your car and then you're going somewhere and maybe to your office or home or something like that, and you want to listen online, you could do that at khmg.org. There's a bunch of apps where you can listen as well, like the TuneIn app is one I use. You can listen on your uh, smart devices of all sorts on khmg.org as well. Thank you for doing that. We also, after the program is finished today, in the evening, we'll be posting the podcast version of the program. A lot of people let me know they appreciate that because they don't have the opportunity to listen to the whole two hours It's not necessarily convenient for them, or they catch a little bit of the program maybe on Friday, a little bit during the rebroadcast on Saturday from noon to two, or perhaps a little bit of the rebroadcast on Sunday night from seven to 9 p.m. So if you're listening during either of those times of rebroadcast, thank you for catching us at this time as well. It's a real joy to bring you the program. I'm going to start with something a little bit different at the beginning of the program. Pastor Jared does something called Stranger Than Fiction. I happen to have a few sources that I go to, one of them being United Press International, or UPI, and they have a whole section called Odd News. It's a great place to go for some of those uh, interesting stories, some of those fascinating stories, sometimes funny stories. And so I want to go to that odd news to start off the program live till five today. The headline on this one says a pile of undelivered mail found in the New York woods. That's the headline from October 23rd. It says the U.S. Postal Service is investigating after a cache of undelivered mail was found dumped in the woods in New York State. This is the statement from the Postal Service. It says the Postal Service condemns, in the strongest possible sense, behavior that jeopardizes the security and sanctity of the U.S. mail or threatens to tarnish the reputation and high level of trust that the vast majority of our employees work so hard to uphold. That was in an official statement from the U.S. Postal Service. Now, local residents said they were missing some expected mail items, And that led them to suspect that the local mail carrier may be responsible for those dumped items. So this person may be fingered right off the bat by the uh, folks in the neighborhood. The Postal Service did not say how long the mail had been piling up in that location. But the inspector general's office said the investigation's findings will be shared with the U.S. attorney's office for possible federal charges Sounds like kind of a funny story at the beginning, but you saw how serious the wording was 
from the U.S. Postal Service and uh, big fines and and, uh, even jail time for that sort of thing as well. Well, also in our odd news segment, this is interesting. A shark knocks a surfer off a board in Australia, a surfer who is enjoying waves at the guillotine's surf break says he was knocked off his board by a shark. The surfer believes that he was bumped from his surfboard on Thursday by a white pointer shark that was between 2.5 and 3 meters in length, maybe 6, 7 feet long. The man was not injured during the encounter and was able to leave the water following the incident, but other surfers in the area exited the water immediately um, to help and to alert others. The Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development issued a shark advice for that area with some official warnings in place and offers officers, I should say, from the Department of Biodiversity Conservation and Attraction are in the area making up some new warning signs for the area. So sometimes it's a little bit of a joke about uh, maybe running into a shark uh, during your surfing and water adventures, but uh, in this case, not so. Definitely knocked off the the surfboard by a shark. Also here, man caught smuggling live cobras under his scooter seat. An alleged smuggler in India was found with three venomous cobras hidden under the seat of his motor scooter. A video recorded by wildlife officials shows what authorities found when they stopped the man and searched his scooter. The man who had been reported frequenting a nearby forest region for suspected poaching activities, was found to be hiding three hissing cobras under the seat of his vehicle. Wondered what he was planning to do with those. The footage shows the snakes were alive and showed aggression toward their rescuers. Cobras are protected species in India, but they are prized by poachers for their skins and for their venom. Well, I guess that explains perhaps why he might have wanted those uh, cobras. But I'm not sure I'd want to be the guy hiding the venomous cobras under the uh, the seat of my scooter. Brings an interesting picture to mind. I didn't watch the video, but apparently you can look for the, the guy with the cobras in his scooter and uh, find that's kind of a viral video from India. Well, that's a little odd news to begin live till five today. I thought that was definitely in the spirit of live till five. My name is Chris Harper filling in today for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who's still off island, should be back tonight, but uh, I'm having the opportunity today to fill in for him. So thanks for being with us. Of course, we've got another hour and about 47 minutes of Live Till 5 upcoming for you. We hope you have the opportunity to stay with us. Good afternoon. 
You're listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. I meant 88.1 FM. I kind of slurred that together. It's been a long week. It's been like storms and difficult things this week, so. Yeah. I'm losing it. But here we are on Friday afternoon, and we're trying not to lose it. That's the thing. We came so far. Yeah, keep it together just for another hour and 30-something minutes, and we'll be okay. 37 minutes. Yeah. And 30 seconds. Right. Good at math, Sebastian. (laughs) No, I'm not. I can only do addition and subtraction. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even know. Do you know your Gozintas? I don't know what that is. You don't know what that is? Nope. Well, how many times, how many times does seven go into 14? Two? Yeah, thank you. He, you know your Gozintas. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my dad used to call it. Do you know your Gozintas? That's the deal. What's a Gozinta? Well, <laughs> I just explained it. All right. See what I mean about it being a long week? Here we are. We're at Here this we we're at this situation. This is what we've come to. Well, I want to get into our theme a little bit today, and it's going to change the pace of the show perhaps a little bit because uh, this is not this is not a funny story. This is not a something that's hilarious, but it got me into the um, it got me into the idea of thinking of a potential theme for the program. I don't know how closely you've been paying attention to the national and international news, but as I've been paying attention to it a bit, there's been a story that's been sort of at the, I would say probably at the top of the international news headlines for uh, a couple of weeks, really. And that is the uh, the murder of, or the alleged murder of Amal Hashaji, or uh, if you're listening to most American news, uh, Jamal Khashoggi. And uh, that got me thinking, uh, the funny part about that, and this story is not funny by any means, but the funny part about that is uh, sometimes when you are listening to a sort of a more international news broadcast, I happen to be listening to the BBC, but when you're listening to the American broadcast, things are a little different. I was listening to the BBC and I heard about um, Amal Hashaji, and I, I thought maybe I hadn't heard that story until I realized it was be, his name was being referred to in the States as Jamal Khashoggi. So it's a little bit different pronunciation, but this has been a, a major news story for days and days. And it's because it's um, it is relevant to so many countries and their relationship to Saudi Arabia. So let me give you a little background if you're not familiar with the story. On October 7th, uh, 2nd, Amal Hashaji, a well-known journalist and critic of the Saudi government, walked into the country's consulate in Istanbul. He has not been seen since. That's what we do know. Turkish officials believe he was murdered by a team of Saudi agents inside the building and say they have evidence to this fact, including some audio recordings to back up their claims. Now, after initial denials and claims that he had left the consulate shortly after arriving, Saudi Arabia has now admitted the journalist is dead. The kingdom says Hashaji was killed by a rogue operation that the leadership 
was not aware of. Needless to say, this has drawn some skepticism from the international community that the uh, uh, the uh, prince and those involved in the leadership in Saudi Arabia uh, did not know about this. The steady stream of disturbing allegations, along with the complex diplomatic situation, means that it can be difficult to keep track of the full story. So they give us a bit of a rundown here on the case. First of all, who is Amal Hashaji? Well, he's a prominent journalist who's covered major stories, including the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan and the rise of Osama bin Laden for various Saudi news organizations. So this man's a Saudi insider. So for decades, he was close to the Saudi royal family and also served as an advisor to the government. But he fell out of favor and then went into a self-imposed exile in the U.S. last year. From there, he wrote a monthly column in the Washington Post in which he criticized the policies of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. So you can begin to understand just from knowing who he is, why he was um, perhaps a target of the royal family in Saudi Arabia. In his first column for the newspaper, Hashaji said he feared being arrested in an apparent crackdown on dissent overseen by the prince since he became the first in line to succeed his father, King Salman, who is in poor health and uh, Mohammed bin Salman is uh, serving in his place at this point. Now, the question can be asked at that point was if he did fear for his life or at least fear being arrested, why was he in the Turkish Saudi Arabian consulate? Well, he first visited visited the Saudi consulate in Istanbul on the 28th of September to obtain a document certifying that he had divorced his ex-wife so he could marry his Turkish fiance. But he was told he would have to return and uh, arranged to come back on the 2nd of October. So here's where a lot of the suspicion comes in because he was told to return on a particular date. So basically uh, tipping off anyone who may be uh, interested in finding Mr. Hashaji or confronting him or whatever the case may be, they would know exactly when he was coming back. So he was seen on CCTV arriving at 114 local time for his appointment, which was scheduled at 1.30. And he reportedly told friends that he had been treated very warmly on his first visit, and then he reassured them that he would not face any problems. Now, he said that, but he did give his fiance two mobile phones, and he told her to contact an advisor to the Turkish president, Erdogan, if he did not come back out. So he obviously was uh, had some suspicion that it was possible that somebody knew where he was and uh, or perhaps someone in the Saudi government or um, Saudi Arabian officials um, may have captured him and taken him back to Saudi Arabia or whatever the case was. She ultimately waited for more than 10 hours outside the consulate and returned the following morning when Hashaji 
had still not reappeared. So here's what Saudi Arabia says. I realize I'm going long on this, but here's the thing about it. This kind of uh, prompted the, uh, the theme today, which is international incidents, international stories, things that have caused international problems, perhaps even leading to war and to conflict, and like this situation, maybe to sanctions against other countries and all of that. So here's what Saudi Arabia has to say. For more than two weeks, they consistently denied any knowledge of Hashaji's fate. Prince Mohammed uh, told Bloomberg News that the journalist had left the consulate after a few minutes or an hour. He added, we have nothing to hide. But Prince Mohammed's brother and the Saudi ambassador to the U.S., Prince Khalid bin Salman, claimed all reports about his disappearance or death were completely false and baseless. But in the early hours of the 20th October, that's 18 days later, state television reported the journalist had in fact died in the consulate after a fight. It finally said that Hashaji had been murdered in a rogue operation and they vowed to punish those responsible. So that's a quick turnaround from the Saudi government. A Saudi official told Reuters news agency that Hashaji had died in a chokehold after resisting attempts to return him to Saudi Arabia. Now, I'm not going to go any further on the story except to say this, that um, the international community uh, has their doubts about the story coming out of Saudi Arabia. And there are certainly many things on the table in regards to um, consequences for the Saudi Arabian uh, regime um, because of the death of this journalist. So this could be, this uh, leads us to the topic today of international incidents. And running through my mind, began to, I began to think of all these times in which something happens between one country or another where there's already tensions, there's already diplomatic problems, and something happens to sort of tip the scale. And that seems to be the case in this incident. Had you been hearing about this incident? I know I brought it up a couple of times. I've kind of been following it. It's, it's fairly interesting because of all the layers of things that are involved. Of course, Saudi Arabia and their control over much of the oil in the world, uh, them being allies with most of the Western nations, including Great Britain and the United States and Canada and any of the Western nations in Europe uh, are involved with uh, Saudi Arabia. Some of them selling, including the United States, selling arms and things to Saudi Arabia. And so there's a, a relationship that has been formed, but it's not uh, known to be a particularly Western friendly nation either. If you know anything about the regime in Saudi Arabia, it's a tough place to live if you have, of course, Christian beliefs or any sort of Western style ideas. So it's an interesting story that could lead to different international incidents. So that was the thinking for today's program. International is sort of our theme today, and it gives us the opportunity to sort of jump off just international incidents and talk about some other things as well. 
Uh, you have some international incidents here, uh, Sebastian, that you uh, went out and found uh, that's sort of on this on this topic. Yeah, I compiled just a couple interesting uh, moments in history where, uh, you know, like you were saying, just there are pressures and just one little incident caused like a big right or, or contributed towards a big uh, outcome. Uh, and so probably talk about these just throughout the show, but uh, the first one uh, I have was called the Battle of Jumanville Glen, or also known as the Jumanville Affair. Uh, and it was the opening battle of the French and Indian War, fought on May 28, 1754, near what is present-day Hopwood and Uniontown in Fayette County, Pennsylvania. A company of colonial militia from Virginia under the command of Lieutenant Colonel George Washington and a small number of Mingo warriors led by Tanakerson. Uh, uh, there's a couple weird names in this <laughs> story that I don't... Gotcha. Well, because it's French, and any time I've ever tried to pronounce French, I butcher it. Terribly. What was his name? Tanakerson? T-A-N-A-C-H-A-R. I-S-O-N. Huh. I'm not up on my French Indian War. <laughs> uh, also uh, known as Half King. Huh. Uh, so, so they're just a they're just a small number of Mingo warriors, and that's they're okay. led by that guy, who are also with George Washington. They ambushed a force of 35 Canadians under the command of Joseph Caulon uh, de Villiers de Jumanville. <laughs> you really got. It. You really got to practice these before you come on air, Sebastian. <laughs> I tried in my head, and it's like, well, what's going to come out is what's going to come out, okay? Uh, but uh, Jumonville, that's, that sounds French, right? That sounds French. I, I, sure. I don't know. Why not? Um, but if you remember me saying, this is the Battle of Jumonville, um, or the Jumonville Affair. The British colonial force had been sent to protect a fort under construction, Um near present-day Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sure. Um, and so while they were protecting this under-construction site, fort, a large Canadian force had came, come down and driven off this small construction crew. And um, this was led by Jumonville. And um, uh, so some of these guys that escaped, they, they warned General Washington about the them encroaching on French-claimed territory um, and Washington was alerted uh, to Jumonville's presence, and so they joined forces with that guy I said earlier, the half king. And, uh, oh, so, that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the uh, Mingo warriors. Yeah. And they surrounded the Canadian camp, and some of the Canadians were killed in the ambush, and most of the others were captured. Jumonville was among the slain, although the exact circumstances of his death are a subject of historical controversy and debate. And so since Britain and France were not then at war, the event had international repercussions and was a contributing factor in the start of the Seven Years' War in 1756. After the action, Washington retreated to Fort Necessity, which I think is an interesting name for a fort, where Canadian forces from another fort, I'm just going to say that, compelled his surrender. Great. <laughs> they compelled his surrender. So Washington was at this fort, and then Canadians, after this little event, uh, came down, and they forced Washington's surrender, uh, which included a, a statement written in French, which Washington did not even read. Um, 
in French, admitting that Jumonville was assassinated. Uh, this document and others were used by the French and Canadians to level accusations that Washington had ordered Jumonville's slaying. So I think it was oh. something he was kind of forced to write, and then they right. used it to, to, hmm. to kind of... Wow. Uh, I knew none of this. Yeah. So that's so just a little... Um, that was just one of the little international incidents I found. I can share some more yeah. uh, throughout the show. But well, yeah. I had a, one of the articles that I found was uh, 10 events that led to World War I. And I know there's uh, a lot of things that happened that have uh, really caused an international stir. And that's sort of our uh, theme today on Live Till 5. My name is Chris Harper, filling in today for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who continues to be off-island. Sebastian Basil is with me today, and we'll have some of our regular segments today, of course. Quiz a little bit later, right, Sebastian? Of course. And uh, well, what's in my coffee as well? Some of the things folks always tell us they enjoy in Live Till 5. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live Till 5 on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Chris Harper, your fill-in host for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who continues to be off-island. Glad to have him back tonight, though. And uh, so that means he should be back for next week's Live Till 5 program. Wanted to let you know about a couple of other ways that you can listen to the program. We do have a rebroadcast from noon to 2 Saturday and a rebroadcast from 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday evening. And, of course, in the evening on Friday, we'll uh, put up on our Facebook page and on our website, khmg.org, the podcast version of Live Till 5. A lot of people let me know that they listen to that, so thank you for doing that, downloading and listening to Live Till 5 via via podcast. Today on the program, we've kind of been talking about international incidents, but we don't want to just leave it to the international incidents that sort of have caused a war or caused a major problem, although that was sort of what prompted the uh, idea of talking about international incidents. Uh, but we, we also just want to expand it to international things. Now, sometimes what I prepare to do when I'm going to be hosting Live Till 5 is I prepare to uh, do my previous show, Take Note, an hour, well, the hour directly previous. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Just before, mm-hmm. the hour just before, uh, Live Till 5 called Take Note. And today we talked about uh, the international nature of the uh, mandate we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, the theme today was the uttermost. And so later on in the program today, I want to get to that as well. We talked about the scope of our ministry endeavors and why we must reach out just beyond our local area to go internationally 
with the message of the gospel. So I want to get to that today as well. And of course, talking about a few international incidents, talking about some international things on the program today, and uh, some of our regular segments as well. So thank you for being with us. I mentioned this story about the 10 events that led to World War One. Now, I knew about some of these. Uh, when I brought this up earlier, Sebastian, you mentioned the one you remember. Which one was that? The um, assassination of, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He was a prince, I think, or, or a leader of some sort. And, right. I'm uh, going to see if that's on this list here while we're... Ah, Franz Ferdinand. I, okay, I was thinking that. Of Austria. That's I just don't want to say a name that completely wasn't it. So. Right. You wouldn't <laughs> want to get any names wrong on yeah. today's program. Yeah. That's, that's, a yeah. that's a blunder you wouldn't want to make. I definitely wouldn't want to make that mistake. <laughs> right. Well, um, I, I find these interesting because it's so often the case that history repeats itself. So a lot of times... Um, First of all, things that have happened in the past lead to big events for the future of the world. And then there's a lot we can learn from. I, I understand that it's a real cliche that people say about history, that you're doomed to repeat it if you don't learn history. But that's really the case. How many times is it confirmed to us that because we didn't learn from what was done in the past, we repeat some big blunder or big mistake? This uh, article t called 10 Events That Led to World War I talks about the fact that it was caused by a combination of several factors, and it's going to go back in history as to what occurred that led to this point of World War I, the first great world war. It was caused by tensions between European powers and the crisis of the balance of power, uh, the system that was divided or that did divide at that point Europe into two camps. Uh, while one camp joining Great Britain, France, and Russia, the Triple Entente, strove to preserve the fragile balance between the European great powers, the second camp that formed around the German Empire, Austria-Hungary, and Italy, the Central Powers, was challenging it. So here are some of the specific events that led to the most devastating, uh, one of the most devastating military conflicts in history. Now, the first one happened between 1870 and 1871, the Franco-Prussian War. And sometimes you wouldn't think a, a war that happened in the early 1900s would be impacted by something 30 or, four year, 30 or 40 years earlier, but that's the case in uh, the case of World War I. The war between France and Prussia, the future German Empire that lasted from 1870 to 1871, ended with a humiliating defeat for France. It lost the regions of Als, uh, Alsace and Lorraine and was forced to pay a huge indemnity to Prussia. The Franco-Prussian War led to the creation of a, a powerful German Empire with a military-industrial potential to further disrupt the European balance of power on the one hand and widespread resentment and desire for revenge among the French on the other hand. So there's some uh, attitudes that are developed from 30 or 40 years previous to World War I that are really important in this whole thing. And then the ascension of Wilhelm II 
to the German throne. Wilhelm. Wilhelm, yes. There we go. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll help is, you out with your pronunciations. Well, right. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, the, the, reason I, the reason I'm pretty aware of the, uh, of the pronunciations is because um, my, my grandfather was uh, German. His name was Hermann Wall. We called him Wall, but I think it was actually Wall. Val, right, yeah. and um, and also the one one of my uh, soccer teams. There, it always comes back to this for me for some reason in life. But the uh, the manager is named Arson. Well, used to be the manager. He's not anymore. But used to be Arson. W e n g e r, which is Wenger. Wenger, right. But like with anger, w. but with a right. V at the front. Right. So this is Wilhelm II, right? The uh, he he rose to the throne in 1888. The German forest um, at that point, when he rose to the throne, German foreign policy became more bellicose. That's a word you would only use in foreign policy. But basically, he was very very um, outspoken about his opinions about the rest of Europe. And uh, of uh, and had a uh, a policy that uh, was much more aggressive than his predecessors. So the new German emperor dismissed the skillful Otto von Bismarck as chancellor. He also refused to renew the uh, renew the reinsurance treaty with Russia that maintained the fragile peace between Russia Russia and Russia. Aust- Russia. Thanks between <laughs> Russia and Austria Hungary as well as kept France isolated. That way, Wilhelm II helped create an alliance between France and Russia, formed in 1892, that became the basis for the future Triple Entente. Uh, th- these are some of the events that led to World War I, as we kind of talk about international incidents today. Also, the, Russia, uh, the Russo-Japanese War. The rival between a rivalry over Manchuria and Korea reached its height with the Russo-Japanese War, 1904 and 1905. The outcome of the war against the Japanese was a major blow for the Russians, who lost almost the entire Baltic and Pacific fleet. The defeat also provoked a serious political crisis that led to the Russian Revolution of 1905. But the Russo-Japanese War also made an end to the Russian ambitions in the Far East. And as a result, the Tsarist government focused its attention to Europe in the first place, uh, that had focused on Europe in the first place, uh, to the Balkans. And this intensified the old rivalry with Austria-Hungary that had a great interest in the Balkans. There's a lot of things happening in the history here that seem to be leading up. And something interesting about that, too, is Japan wasn't really a world power at that time and so when russia fought them i I didn't think they'd really have as much of a problem so when they lost to japan i think that's probably also helped towards their like losing ambition a little bit because they lost to someone that wasn't as big of power that they were right well i could get into some of the other things but one that led directly to this crisis that led to world war one of course as Sebastian mentioned earlier, was the assassination of Archduke Franz 
Ferdinand of Austria. Did I get that about right, Sebastian? Or uh, Franz Ferdinand. On June 28, 1914, a group of conspirators from the revolutionary movement called Malda Bosna, or Young Bosnia, uh, carried out the assassination of the Austro-Hungarian heir presumptive Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife while they were visiting Sarajevo. Since the assassination, Garivlo or Gavrilo Princip and his five accomplices were Bosnian Serbs. The dual monarchy accused Serbia of standing behind the assassination. The event triggered the course of events that led directly to the outbreak of World War I, but it did not cause it. Austria-Hungary was determined to eliminate the Serbian threat before the assassination of its heir presumptive, and it only needed an excuse to declare war on its Balkan neighbor. So a lot of times that's really credited with the um, cause of World War I, but there are a lot of things behind that, and that's just, as they would say, the straw that broke the camel's back, probably, for that particular situation. Well, today on Live Till 5, we're talking about international incidents. I hope you'll be able to stay with us. Perhaps I'll be bringing up our drinks here pretty soon, maybe before the top of the hour. We'll see. And we can conduct our regular, traditional, what's in my coffee? Traditional. It's not a contest. It's more like a... I almost said a contest. It's not a contest. It's just a... Who can drink it the fastest? It's an exhibition rather than a competition. Stay with us on Live Till 5 today. You're listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show that it has been a really long week and um, that I might struggle through the show a bit. I think that's that's been shown a little bit already. Been struggling you slightly. Know, I, I couldn't even tell. Couldn't tell. You just always it, a pro. The reason, the reason it's been a long week is because we had this storm. And I happen to have been in the radio station for many, many hours yes. this week. And um, pretty tired. Pretty tired when it gets to a Friday afternoon at like four minutes before four o'clock. It's uh, it's time to... You feel like you've had a long week at that point. So that's that's where I am. But looking forward to the weekend, maybe you are as well. Don't know what you may have planned for the weekend. I'd like to perhaps get out and see a little bit of Guam. I used to do that a lot where I would like first couple of years I lived here, like every weekend we'd go out and do something. We'd go to some place we hadn't been before, do a little exploring. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Gary here a couple of weeks ago about, hey, have you got out and done any, any exploring yet? And he likes to do that, but he hasn't got a chance yeah. to do it. And I was saying I, I, do, I used to do that. Like every weekend. Yeah, I do that every weekend too. I go to JS store and then 
I get to see a little bit of Guam, and then I come back. <laughs> really? <laughs> you're, you're a serious Sometimes explorer. I go down to the mobile McDonald's, and uh, yeah, I get right. a little extra exploration in. You get to see the, the mean streets of Barragata and uh, MTM. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, well, that's not quite what I was talking about. I'm talking about, like, going into the jungle, hiking, going to the ocean, you know, going to beaches. Well, I got a jungle right next to our little house. Like, every time I, I, I see that, too, when I go take out the trash. So um, Oh, great. Yeah, it's a nice little adventure when so I go ex- take the out the trash. The extent of your uh, exploration of Guam is seeing the jungle when you take out the trash. Okay. All right. Well, that's one way to do it. That's one way to do That's it. That's what JS stands for in JS Store. Jungle Store. <laughs> Does it? Jungle Store Store. <laughs> I'm nice. just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> Great. Yeah. We, you know, they get a lot of mentions on this show. They do. I've noticed that. <laughs> they do. I noticed they do because I hope it's so we've close. driven up their profits a billion yeah. dollars. I, I don't think that's probably <laughs> what has happened. Or but. a billion um, chocolate muncho bars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, what are you doing this weekend, Sebastian? What's the what's the plan for you? Well, uh, I'm gonna hang out with baby, and yes, then I'm not Lucas. gonna hang out with baby. Yes, Lucas. Yes, I keep calling him baby sometimes. I don't know when that'll end, but probably when he grows out of baby stage. Yeah, but um, well, yeah. we used to call him. We used to call Stephen Baby Stephen. I don't know why <laughs> when he was a baby, and then the kids would call him. Uh, Stephen Boy, I don't know Come why. Here, Stephen Boy, because he was—he's the only boy in the family, so the kids would all you, say, "Boy, Stephen Boy," and uh, we, but we've—we've <laughs> we've tr- pretty much tried to stop that. So it's four girls and one boy. Um, this weekend, I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend, but like I said, I haven't got out to photograph much lately, and I haven't gone exploring uh, much at all either. So I think I might try to try to uh, do that as well and maybe get out a little bit because it's been a long week but it's not the kind of week where you just want to go to sleep it's more the kind of week that your mind is tired and you're sort of tired of being in the same place namely this station quarters because we actually slept in here the whole family slept in here. I remember I had an urgent text message come in while the storm was fully overhead of us and, was it that bad? And it was, it was, it was Sebastian, please come. We need your help. No, that's and, not uh, what I said. I said, I can't reach <laughs> one of the typhoon shutters. Yeah. So what happens when, you know, you, you leave some of the preparation till the end is that you find there's some, a problem with one of the shutters. So we didn't know how the, bad the storm was going to be, but we knew it was a super typhoon and we knew that there was a potential for it being bad. And I thought I better close the typhoon shutters in here. But I found that one of the typhoon shutters in the main studio here was stuck. I mean, it. well, the problem was the pin was in at the top, and I couldn't reach it because I didn't have enough. And if yeah. you fall out of the window here. You're a goner. Yeah, because you're, there's no way to reach it from the outside because we're on the third floor. Yeah. So you basically have to reach outside. Thank you. And that's where you go just, from. Yeah. Is my life more important or Sebastian's? Right. And I determined uh, it was mine. (laughs) So anyway, Sebastian came to help and uh, assisted in a great way for us. And uh, and we survived the storm without a uh, without a I got to see my wife and kid again. That's right. That's great. 
All right. Well, that's the end of this hour of Live Till 5 as we come to a fizzling end here. (laughs) And uh, we'll have another hour of Live Till 5 upcoming. We'll have the quiz and our What's in My Coffee coming up right here. Stay with us. You're listening to Live Till 5 on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. Thank you for being with us. Of course, you can listen online at khmg.org. You can listen to our rebroadcast if you miss the live broadcast from 3 to 5 Friday afternoon. You can listen from noon to 2 Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday here on KHMG. Chris Harper filling in for Pastor Jared Baldwin today, who expected to be back for this program. I didn't necessarily expect to fill in, but uh, yesterday, or a couple days ago, I think I got a uh, uh, text from Pastor Jared saying, can you figure out who can fill in for Live Till 5? Because I will, I have been delayed. And so he was delayed, and uh, I don't know, he didn't say whether it was because of the storm or what the reasoning was behind that, but he's been delayed, and we'll be glad to see him back this evening and back next week on Live Till 5. What I find this show does for me is reveals some of my deficiencies, some of my difficulties. Right. One of them is picking bumper music, because, I, I mean, this was the wrong... Supposed to be upbeat, right? Is what you said? Yeah. yeah. Supposed to be upbeat, but I don't know any of these songs. What is this like? Uh, like Welcome rev- to Nature Hour. Yeah. yeah. Revolutionary <laughs> War. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, guy, it's the guy marching with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. his head all taped up and everything. Sorry, I was thinking of the forest when I heard this song. That too, yeah. Yes. Like birds chirping. I should bring to the table my own music that I know myself. There you go. Because when I'm choosing from Pastor Jared's music, I can't do it. No. I just can't do it. I don't know these songs. This one is called Merrily Kiss the Quaker. What I know about. Oh, yeah, that's Merrily. Merrily Kiss the Quaker. Merrily. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> what do I know about Merrily Kiss the Quaker? How do I know if that's an intro do music? Do I want to know the Merrily Kiss the Quaker? Or an outro music? This is something I struggle with every time. Yeah. But anyway, that's where we are. But the great the great news is, I would say the great news is, we, have, uh, we got our drinks from yes. The Hub. And so we want to play our hub music. I, I got that. I know where that is. Oh, there we go. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. And so this segment is brought to you by the hub. Worldwide or Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore. Mm-hmm. They call it the hub. Right. Uniform and bookstore. Oh, that's what the U was. Yep, the U. <laughs> I forgot the U. They don't have as many books as they used to have. I don't think they sell any more books. But they didn't want to call it the who? <laughs> so they just they still call it the hub. The hub, yeah, there you go. But they should sell diamonds. Yeah. That could be HUD. That that's name is or already dog, taken. Or dog choose chew toys. That name is already taken by housing and urban development. <laughs> oh a government run organization. So they can sell milkshakes. Taken. Hum. Yeah. <laughs> Keep working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep working on it. Keep working on it. Um, so we have three drinks, and you might have heard 
Uh, Titus Bogus is our special guest today to enjoy these lovely drinks. He's one of our most special guests. Amen. The most special. (laughs) I agree. I agree. (laughs) And uh, Sebastian Basildua. One of the least special. Right. He's just our one of the regulars. So let's uh, let's start with you, Sebastian. All right. On your drink, you always have like half or almost all your drink gone. It's so by smooth. the time we start, just not my fault. Tell us what you got. Well, I could just breathe this drink in, and so it's so delicious. And um, well, basically, <laughs> when I when I down this cold and uh, cold and. Uh, what's the word? I'm searching for it. We don't I'm know. Searching it. for it. We, we, and I we have don't know. almost oh found it. I found it. Snatched it out of the air. That cold and autumn feel. Autumn. 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 That's how I say it. Yeah. Um. Um. It tastes okay. so. Tastes like autumn. Like mmm. T- delicious sip of autumn. Um. Or fall. That's another way to say it. <laughs> and um. Yeah. You know, when you look outside and there's all the different colored leaves, except here on Guam. Yeah. <laughs> I about to say, except here on Guam. Here we have uh, palm trees and uh, typhoons. We, we still, you know, we still carry on these traditions sort of like, you know, they're, they're sort of like they have a relationship to this island, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, it's here. It's fall time. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, we have two seasons here. Hot. I wonder rain. how like yeah. tomorrow feel about that. Like just. Yeah. Like or any local. It's, it's fall right now. What's fall? Just. Go with it. It's yeah, fall just, now. <laughs> exactly. Just go with it. Just go with it. That's how I'm going with this drink right now. It's just so good. And you know what? It's so good. Um, it's nice it's and sweet. It's a cold sweet. drink, right? Yeah, it's I a said, nice I said drink. that. Yeah. Say, okay. I, I said that. I know what I'm about. I'm drinking it out of a straw, a white straw. Um, Thank you. Yes. Not a black straw. Um, a clear container. Um, it's got a khaki color on the inside. Nice and sweet and but what autumnish? What, what is the what is the sweetness? oh so the I believe it's a pumpkin spice um, aha I drink because everything's pumpkin spice right pumpkin spice flavored microphones just, I'm, I'm just here. kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding but uh, yeah it's the pumpkin I think it's like a pumpkin spice um, um I don't know what iced drinks are coffee drinks are called yeah. An iced drink, perhaps. Yeah, iced pumpkin spice uh, yeah. latte thing, right? Oh, latte? Is Maybe. that what it is? I guess. I Just know. add I iced in front of it, and yeah. I think that'll do I've been fine. on this show for two and a half years. I still don't know basic <sighs> coffee terms. Yeah. Go ahead, Titus. Okay. Well, um, I have a hot drink here. It has a tea bag sticking out the side of it, so I know it's definitely tea. I'm thinking it's probably like a milk tea is what I'm thinking. There's some milk in there. Yeah, it tastes like a hot, it's like a hot milk tea. I don't, I don't. Maybe it's, maybe I'm. Maybe the, it's a chai. Is it? Oh well, no, chai. I don't know. Chai tastes no, like no. milk. It's like a milky flavor. Okay. So I'm not sure what exactly. What it, I never had it before. So I'll tell you what. We yeah. don't have any of the drink experts here today. Right, right. Lawrence is not we're here. Kinda, we're kind of, we're kind of on our own right. on this one. Exactly. This Here's is, this is, thing. this is off the whim, right? Just right. The, yeah. Exactly. So it's hot. It's a little milky. I know it's tea, so I'm just gonna go with a milky tea. A milky tea. And there's probably no, there's probably another word in there that I'm missing. I but don't think they serve close. that, but yeah. uh, but we'll go with we'll that. go with it. I have not even tasted mine yet, so let me do that. Gulp, 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 gulp. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one of those fall three theme drink as well. This yeah. is a 
Hmm. Actually, I don't know if it is. Judging Actually, by the aftertaste. Now that I think about it, because oh man, this might be matcha. 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 What is that? That green stuff? Yeah. This might be that. Oh, that's the grass drink, right? Yeah. Oh. And the reason I say that is because I'm not as big a fan as that of that drink. Yeah, neither am I. You know, like <laughs> you know, to each their own. But yes. matcha is just not for me. I think that might be what this thing is. Matcha. You could always it's say I drink. don't like it very is it matcha. Does it have a green tint to it? Well, I didn't open it, but I guess I could open yeah, it. I'm cheating, cheaters. Okay, I can't cheaters, cheat. cheaters, cheaters, pumpkin never spice win. eaters. Okay, let me open up the. the <laughs> let me open up. If you don't. If uh, if you're not familiar with this uh, with this part of the program, this segment, we basically right? now reveal yes what uh, yeah, yeah drum, we have like not, a drum roll number three. Though. All right, you're number three. That is a pumpkin chai. Ah, that's what it was. I mm. tasted chai there a at the end. Pumpkin chai. Pumpkin chai. Uh, you have number one, correct, number one, Titus? Yes. That is a London fog. London fog. Yeah, I believe okay. that's a uh, that's a. Um, an Earl Grey tea is that what that is? Yeah, Earl I think Grey? it's I think it's Earl Grey. It's a pink. It's a pink. Yeah, yeah does it say Earl Grey on here? Earl Grey tea. Yeah, it says Earl Grey on here. Yeah, Earl Grey tea with uh, milk. I think is what. It oh, is. so I did get the milk part. You right? You got the milk okay. part, right? Okay. Mine is matcha with white chocolate. So it was matcha. So you yeah, got it that. is matcha. White chocolate. I mean, that's they did not add nearly enough white chocolate. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, too much, too much grass for you. Huh? A little too much matcha and a little not enough white chocolate yeah. on that particular so drink. Does, Actually, people love that. So no, I, I know. Put down the oh drink. no, no, no. Yeah, to each their own. Yeah, more yeah. power be to stoned. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Does it have a green tint to it? No, no. Let me open it up. Yeah. Let's see. Oh. oh. It yeah, is, oh yeah, it's green, totally green. green. It's, on, it's on the table now. <laughs> it's totally green. Yeah, that is green. So totally that, green. That's for yeah. sure matcha. Okay, that's matcha. Or grass. All right, well, this is Live Till 5, and one of the other things we do during Live Till 5 is a quiz with Sebastian Basildua. That music indicates that the quiz is coming. I don't have a pen. I need a pen. There <laughs> you go. There we go. We and, and the name of this quiz is called an out of this world quiz. An out of this world quiz. Um, like the song out see, of we're, this world. Right? No. Uh, I haven't thought about that actually. Maybe. But uh, later on in the show, I'm going to talk about a little bit about the um, International Space Station. Oh, wow. Um. So that, international is our theme today. Oh, international is our theme. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So um, I'm going to give this little quiz about the International Space Station. Give you some interesting facts. Wow. Well, you might learn some interesting. I don't facts. know. I don't know if I know anything about the International Space Station. I know nothing. And then this quiz no. is just space, for you. Right? A lot of get, a lot of guessing on this one. I'm so afraid. So, are we the conspiracy theorists? Like, is it in space or is it not in space? Did NASA really go to the moon? Or do really people not? really not believe it's in space? Is well, no, there's true? there's some people that literally believe that NASA is a hoax and that oh. it has not it, that we have not been to the moon and all that is just was just filmed because back in the '60s, I mean, they didn't they didn't have that high of technology to like really test everything like we do now. So. Well, I mean, I mean that, the people that saw yeah. the rocket uh, take off. I mean, I, be, I, I mean, I, I believe that they. Oh, thanks. Moon. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. one of those conspiracy theorists, but there are people out there right. who said it was an unmanned rocket that just some went, people, some people. Lord believe. bless them. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. All right. 
Let's get on with this. Bless quiz. their hearts. Yeah, I think is what you meant. <laughs> yes, bless their hearts. Yep. There you go. Bless their little minds. Okay. Question number one: How long does it take the space station to orbit the Earth? Hmm. Sixty minutes, ninety minutes, one hundred twenty minutes, or one hundred fifty minutes? How long does it take for the space station to orbit space station the Earth? To orbit the Earth? Can yes. you break that down in milliseconds? <laughs> wow, this is a that's a really that's a really interesting question that it feels like I should know the answer to. Mm. It feels like it should mm. correspond to right. an amount of time yeah. that we normally use on Earth. Well, like, it? You, yeah, you think twenty four hours is sixty minutes? That's what I'm more leaning towards. Like, because it doesn't when you're outside of a certain like. If like outside the stratosphere, or whatever the Earth moves faster or something, I don't know. Like, cause you're moving, and you got the gravitation gravitational pull of the Earth. I mean, I wasn't even gonna get into it. Right, That's right. how little I yes, know. Yes, yes. I was <laughs> not even gonna get into <laughs> yeah. it. I don't. I I, I but, would say sixty minutes is what I'm gonna go for. And the other, there was another choice: 120 minutes. Is that correct? 60, 90, 120, 150. I'm gonna say 120 minutes. That's right. two hours. Two hours. Yeah. That's what I'll say. You both are wrong. It's 90 minutes. In 24 hours, a space station makes 16 orbits around the the Earth. 16 orbits. It'll go around the Earth 16 times. Wow. There's probably a lot of factors there, but I wonder what that corresponds to. Right. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's moving. I said, I think it was like six miles a second or something like that is how fast it moves. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, a second. It's like, ooh, that's different math. There's a level of math. There's a powerful tool called Google (laughs) for a reason. I'm kidding. Second question. No free advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> How long does it take a spacecraft to arrive at the space station? One oh, hour, wow. two hours, five hours, or six hours? This That's assuming the spacecraft is already in orbit? I mean, or... or oh, from uh, Earth. From the from ground Earth? to the station. How long does it take to get Can there? Can you repeat it one more wow. time? Wow. One, one, two, five, or six. All hours. Hours. Wow. I have no idea. Um, oh, well, it's going to take an hour to get up there. Oh, it's going to take two hours to get up there. Oh, it's going to take five hours to get up there. You know, the GPS is I think it's going to be shorter than we think. Right. I'm, I'm going to say maybe two hours. Right? I'll, I'll, go, I'll go three. Is the three an option? No. Six. No. <clears throat> this is the other option. Or, or, or five. One, two, five, six. I'll go, I'll go five. I'll go five. And how, what did you say, Chris? Uh, two hours. All right. Well. It's six hours. Sorry. Oh. This is a tough one, I know. Six I know hours? this is a tough one. Don't it, feel bad about yourself. Oh, audience. man. Is it an explanation Terrible. for six uh, hours? Uh, no, it just takes six hours. There's four different cargo space, spacecraft that exist that I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, it takes them six hours to get up there, which, if you think about it, it's pretty good compared to, like, how long it takes stuff to get out of Guam, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Three years. It's like, we yeah. can get that to you in six hours, you know, compared yeah, to... Sure. Well, I mean, sure. I'm sure there's other logistical things. How many times do one of the junior astronauts say, are we there yet? You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah, a lot, probably. Probably. Bonus question, just, just uh, I just remembered it. But, uh, how many people do you think the space station can hold, to, can house? How many can it house? Oh, probably. Uh, not like you stuff everyone in there, but yeah, like they, people can live there. Like, like comfortably oh. or like jam-packed? Well, I think they only have a set amount of people they ever want in there, oh, and so I would say like below, below thirty, maybe maybe less than that, even less. I, w- I would say even less. I would say maybe like a half a dozen, six, perhaps six. Chris, you're right. It's six. Oh, what? Six, There's yeah. six exact. It's they house six. It's, wow. How big is it? Do you know. Um, well, the length of it is just about the size of a football field. Oh, okay. Um, 
like that's including the end zones. So right. that's about how long it is. But then so you have the, they have the solar yeah. panels, which are pretty pretty big. Uh, pretty big, yeah. Wow. Uh, but yeah, people. but I'll give you a point for that, Chris. Because uh, what? Yeah, huh. that was a that was, that was a, a bonus guess. question. The reason the the only reason I say that is because I've seen these videos where they go through the whole thing and they show right. all the people in there. Yeah. And I was thinking maybe I saw five or six people. That yeah. makes sense. You know, because they do the whole deal. They basically take yeah. you through the whole thing. And I think maybe what? I saw five yeah. or six. It makes sense because a lot of equipment in there probably. So they probably want more equipment than they want people up there. Makes yeah. I mean, pro- I don't know. Yeah. yeah, there's like little little shafts off yeah. to the side. And if you're up there, you got to be a photographer as well. Do you? Because oh. they're constantly taking photos um, out and special yeah. request photos of just with cam- like regular like yeah. cameras that, with the lenses on them. So wow. Hey, maybe I could go sometime. Yeah. There we you go. You would qualify yeah, would for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Next question. How many nations were involved in the construction of the ISS, the International oh Space soul. Station? How many people? How many nations on the? Um, the I don't. Know, it it could have only the, been a few. Yeah. Four, many, eight, uh, twelve, or sixteen. It, um, only United, a few nations United have nations. space programs. That's though. true. How many? How many countries are the United Nations? Oh, like way oh, more than that. Way, way more, more than that. Yeah, okay. Way more. Four, eight, twelve, or sixteen. How many nations were involved small, in the construction of the ISS? It has to be a small number, I would imagine. Because how, how old is the space station? I believe it was being constructed. It's in the two thousands. Yeah, that, it's in the two thousands. Okay, so two thousands. Because the it was halted on the U.S. side because on at two thousand three when the Columbia yeah. aircraft exploded, and that's when oh, Russia yeah. took over building it. Okay. So you have Russia. So Russia, United States. Probably China, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Then maybe like some European countries. I'm gonna go with four. Hmm. Wow! Just to be different, I might have gone <laughs> with four. Yeah, but I'm gonna do eight, just because there might have been a few others that really yeah. don't have space programs. That's true. But they kind of felt bad for them, you know. Like, well, well, they may we'll not, let you guys yeah. help. They may not have space programs, but you they may can have like, like equipment to right. Yeah, you can make us lunch while we're working on it. <laughs> you make us lunch, <laughs> perhaps something like that. You lowlies, you can make us. <laughs> Whoever lunch. they were, I'm not saying who. <laughs> right, perhaps that's the way it went. Yeah, um, it's actually 16. Oh, really? I, 16. I could name all of them, but I didn't feel like writing down all of the names wow. of the nations. But Sweden was in there. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Sweden, what <laughs> do they know about space stations? <laughs> but, I mean, wait, involved in the construction of the ISIS. So, I mean, they might have helped construct parts for it. Right, or, that's, that's right. what I'm saying. Like, the different parts of it are, like, probably specialized. Or scientists. Like, it's, it's, oh, scientists yeah, might scientists, have just yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. 16? I, I feel like wow. they felt bad and were like, we should include some others. <laughs> right. More, the more, the better. The more, the merrier, right? Yeah, sure. Exactly. Okay. Uh, next question. How many space stations are currently in orbit? Oh, my soul. One, two, three, or four? <laughs> That's your catchphrase. I know. Oh, my soul. Yeah. Well, is it is it, are these known or unknown? Well, because okay. aren't there? Aren't I'm there? pretty sure. Another conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> Anything about space is a conspiracy. Theory. Is there one space station up there? Is there two? Is there three or is there four currently? International right space. You look station. up. There's how many space stations up in the up in the sky? Well, if it takes 16 countries <laughs> to build one or yeah. 60, I mean, I think there is probably only one, maybe two, maybe two. I'm gonna go with one. I say one as well. Man, it's two. Oh, what? who's got the other um, station? The Russians? Um, China. The Tiangong 2 China, exactly. orbit. China, right? It visited, it's visited, but not permanently manned. Mm. There were three in orbit in 2016, Tiangong 1. 
but the orbit decayed and it re-entered the atmosphere in, oh, so two on April China. on April 2018. Actually, it decayed and re-entered the atmosphere uh, in April 2018. Uh, in September 2018, China announced its plan to deorbit uh, Tiangong two on or after July 2019. So then there will just be one up there. But oh, yeah, so we're right in the future. So we just come back to the show and we're right, right? right. Just <laughs> in time for Space Force. I yeah. I just found out that when a space station comes down. It's called deorbiting. I think we should use that for like celebrities who are not really celebrities anymore. <laughs> and you could say what year they deorbited, <laughs> right? Because don't they say like they're or decelebrating? Right. Well, I don't know. It's because you know you rise to be a star. See, and then the, you how, do you, how do you take one of those <laughs> things down though? Like it's basically a football field. Like how do you take that down without breaking, without breaking it? Like I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they plan. Uh, do they just Is plan just on it burning, burning up, up in the, the atmosphere? atmosphere? Is what I'm thinking. I don't know. I mean, I so they just they just spent all those millions of dollars. Look, and they just we're way out of our yeah we're here. way out of our knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah way outside. We don't want to be spewing false things. <laughs> no, we're just so you folks know listening. We don't know. Oh, we we, just, we have no idea. <laughs> we don't know. This mm-hmm. is for pure entertainment. <laughs> pure entertainment. Speaking of true or false things being said on the air, true or false. When astronauts eat their meals, they have to eat quickly. True or false? True or false. They have to eat quickly. Well, because you get, I think it's zero gravity, so maybe it just flies away so quickly like that. So they <laughs> flies gotta, away. They got me, like, <laughs> got to catch your food. Go quick, know. quick, quick. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say quickly, true. Right? That's the, I, uh, it seemed, why? I, there, there could be that hidden reason, but I'm just going to say false just to be, because I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Just I mean, to I don't nail the victory, Chris. I have no idea. Yes, it's false because actually, <laughs> actually, it's very slow and Is careful it? when they eat when they're oh. eating their food, so, so it doesn't accidentally float across the station, like you were saying. Oh, yeah. so my if they try and do quick, like think of Skittles or something, like just throw it in their mouth and like ooh, it oh, missed and I went all over it. Now so, it's in the okay. electrical things, and now we're plummeting towards the earth. That's things, what they Carl. eat in, in orbit. <laughs> Skittles. Skittles, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like what you know, be interesting though. Like what are they not allowed to eat? Like, right. for instance, spaghetti or like... No, it, everything's dehydrated oh, and that makes sense. everything... There's nothing that can be refrigerated. Yeah. Um, there, I just... Yeah, I saw... It, it's very little they can actually... Yeah. Can you imagine eating dehydrated food? Like, for how, how long are they up there? What's the average? Did you find that out? Or? Um, the, late, the longest someone was up there was like 620 days. Wow. Oh, my son. was like, a lady that... She, like, she was the longest up there. That's for, almost two years over two yeah, years. That was just almost... Well, under two years. A little under two years. Yeah. But yeah. Still... Wow. And they have to exercise two hours every day um, so that they don't lose muscle mass. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. and be in, in shape in case any aliens come aboard and they have to fight them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is that right? <laughs> not, not the conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, that, that one would definitely That, that one's a little far Actually, <laughs> Actually, while we're on this, I, I like to – oh, well, we have the music playing. So I like to write stories on uh, on sci-fi stuff. And so I was wondering what happens when you pour out liquid on the moon. What do you think happens? When liquid? You, when you, yeah, when no you pour idea. out liquid on the moon. Because we had astronauts up there. What do you think happened if they had poured out some liquid on the moon? It just evaporates. Does it evaporate? Or does it fall uh, down slowly? Like, glug, 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 glug. Uh, oh. No, it evaporates, yeah. It, like, oh, it evaporates. It, it, it's, like, it's like it boils and, and freezes at the same time. It's like weird, yeah. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Mm, yeah. Interesting. So interesting stuff yeah. you look up when you're writing short stories. So. Wow. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. More you know. Yeah. On Live Till Five. 
Thanks, Sebastian. Thanks, uh, Titus, for the quiz and our What's in My Coffee. We'll be back with more Live Till 5. My name is Chris Harper. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live Till 5. This is KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. My name is Chris Harper. Sebastian Basildua is in the studio with me. We had some fantastic... Um, pumpkin pumpkin cake i was pumpkin trying to think cake. of is it cake was it cake yeah pumpkin i believe cake? it's a it's a cakey consistency yeah that's yeah, a pumpkin cake I'm, I'm pretty sure she said it was a cake and that is from our live till five official baker official jessica basildua yeah. and uh very good friend of the show she is course. very amazing very amazing very amazing yeah, it was awesome. I had some of it. I had two and pieces. I, I, what I'm going to do is when I have the opportunity, I'm going to get a second piece of it as well. Yes. That's, I um, mean, and we'll probably post a picture of one of those pieces, right? We should do that. Yeah. Cause, uh, it was pretty amazing. And, uh, I had two pieces already. Um, and, uh, I feel the blood in my veins just thanking me. The blood in your veins is thanking you. Yeah. Yeah. I th- does that happen? Is they that real? Enjoy the sugar. That will be on the Russian quiz next goo. time. Yes. As to whether or not your blood can thank you. But it was fantastic. <laughs> we really, really appreciate that. And uh, you know the thing about it that I like? There's not very many of us here today. Sometimes there's five or six people here. Yeah. And you have all this cake. Well, now it's just like you and me and Titus and Carl was here earlier from IT. And he took a piece. He took a piece. And it's just like us. And now... We get we get the rest of it all yeah. to ourselves. Yeah, this is the great thing about it. So, well, thank you for listening to Live Till Five today. International is really going to be our topic today. Now, there wasn't a lot of times on Live Till Five we're talking about really lighthearted stuff. We talked about something that's quite a bit, a lot less lighthearted today. And I understand. I'm always like the serious one bringing something serious to the table, but. Uh, I was talking sort of about international incidents, even those that have led to war. And uh, so we've we've mentioned some of those, and Sebastian may come back and mention those uh, uh, again to us a little bit later. But what I want to do now is I want to follow up, follow up on some stories that we have done in the past or on at least topics we've done in the past, including one of the previous quizzes on drones what was that, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that was about uh, two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Well, this from Italy. According to Italy police, a drone tried to deliver two phones and drugs to a prisoner. Someone attempted to deliver two cell phones and drugs to an inmate at a South Italian prison Thursday by flying them in on a drone, authorities said. Police say they recovered the drone used in the Thursday night stunt at the prison in Taranto, which is 250 miles southeast of Rome. 
Authorities said whoever flew the drone set off fireworks outside the prison as a distraction. Ah, the old... Uh, the old bait and switch. Diversion. Yeah, diversionary tactics where you blow something up and then you fly a drone into your buddy to drop <laughs> off phones. Gotcha. <laughs> so they used the, uh, the fireworks as a distraction as they guided the machine directly into a room on the third floor. It carried two micro cell phones and some recharging equipment. Micro cell phones. That's what they're called here. Wow. Quote, unquote, micro cell You'd already phones. think they're small because they're called cell phones, and cells are pretty small. Yeah. In a way, these were cell phones since they were delivered to a cell. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first as a yeah. brilliant joke. Authorities don't know if the drone or its operator have made similar attempts in the past. There was possibly a similar case in Ireland earlier in the month where a drone supposedly delivered drugs and Chinese food to an inmate. <laughs> Dude, I'm really craving Chinese right now. Please. Yeah. <laughs> there's always, I mean, a lot of times there's cell phones involved whenever there's just judging from things we've seen here on Guam and other places where there's always, they always need cell phones. I'm not sure what uh, probably illegal activity is being transacted over those cell phones, but drugs, of course, as well. Well, another follow-up story today is based on some things I've talked about before um, regarding Twitter. Twitter has wiped out 9 million accounts in a crackdown on spam bots. Are you aware of how these spam bots work, Sebastian? Um, do they, like, like something of yours and then... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. big on Twitter where uh, this happens to us on the radio station account because we post from SoundCloud. And so, like, a music producer, like, bot will say, we love your song on SoundCloud. Even though it's not a song, it's a radio show, but... But okay, it's like a it's like a bot that will like your stuff and sometimes passes along misinformation. Like the accusation is that Russia tried to pass along misinformation to sway the election in one way or the other, try to interrupt and interfere in our elections. But here's what happened. Twitter's crackdown on automated bots, spam, and fake accounts resulted in the loss of about 9 million users in the third quarter, the company said on Thursday. The social media giant said it anticipated the loss after it started using better software to pinpoint questionable accounts or prevent them from signing up at all. Quote, we made progress preventing spammy or suspicious new account creation by requiring new accounts to confirm either an email address or phone number when they sign up to Twitter. And we improved the detection. I thought they always did that. but So did I. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Maybe they just improved how they did it. Uh, we improved the detection and removal of previously banned accounts who attempt to evade suspension by creating new accounts, Twitter said in its quarterly filing. Uh, with the losses, Twitter's user base fell to 326 million, which after two straight quarter losses roughly matches the level it was at uh, in early 2017. Now, Twitter said it added new users, but then wiped out more than it gained. So daily active users grew by 9% over the past year, but they account for fewer than half of all monthly users. CEO Jack Dorsey said, we do see health of the platform as a growth vector in the long term. That's how those tech moguls talk, a, a, uh, a growth vector if you can understand that language. <laughs> this is an extremely important initiative for us, not only for the experience of Twitter, but we believe a long-term, 
or for the long-term growth of Twitter. So Twitter said it expects to lose several million more users in the fourth quarter. It also reported a profit for the last four quarters, which is something it has not achieved before. This is something about these big tech companies that people don't always know, is that they don't always make a lot of money, um, especially some of those smaller than like Facebook or YouTube. Uh, Revenue growth was up 29% year over year, and net income totaled $106 million. Video accounts for half of the company's ad revenue. And I see those quite often where you're rolling through Twitter and you all of a sudden see a video ad. So that's an important part of their business model. Well, those are some follow-up stories. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about our theme, which is Kind of international themed, but international incidents is one piece of it that we're focusing on actually quite a lot today. And uh, so we hope you'll stay with us on Live yeah. Till Didn't Five. Oh, yeah. Mention to him that I'm Whoops. failing bird watching one. <laughs> do you have a tendency to. Sorry about that. Here's author and speaker what I wanted to do was just play this song. That's all you wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do. But as I went by the other thing, I hit it. So you're listening to Live Till 5. Apologies for the ham-fisted attempt at going to break. <laughs> but we'll get to that in uh, in a moment. Thanks for listening to Live Till 5. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. My name is Chris Harper, filling in today for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who's off-island just till tonight. So we look forward to being him being back and being on the program next week. Our theme really has been international today. We had a little quiz on the International Space Station. We've talked about some international incidents some other international things I'm going to get to a little bit later in the show, but uh, I think Sebastian's going to talk to us a little bit more about the International Space Station now. Yes, I wanted to just share a couple things about the International Space Station because I thought it'd be interesting to share on the show. So uh, just a couple facts about it. It sits at an average altitude of 248 miles above Earth. Um, it's the, the space station is the third brightest object in the sky. Although this high-flying satellite can be seen from the ground, it passes by quickly, so it helps to know where to look. The first component of the space station was flown into space in 1998. Since then, orbiting, the orbiting lab has been pieced together to create the complex structure that is now approximately the size of a U.S. football field. The launch of Spot the Station falls on the 16-year anniversary of humans living and working t- continuously aboard the station. Is that Spot the station is, is yeah. has what I use to to figure out where the station is at right now. Aha. Uh, and just real quick, NASA officially said that the space station is most visible in the sky at dawn and dusk. It will likely appear as a bright light moving quickly across the sky um, as the station flies at approximately 18,000 miles per hour. 
Um, so I was able to punch in some data and um, find out when Guam could see um, this space station fly overhead. Nice work. And uh, I tell you, you can look up right now. It's there. I'm just kidding. It's not. Don't look, especially if you're driving. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, you missed it. Nice but um, if you want to see it, and this is only for you premium Live Till 5 listeners who are listening right now, live, live, live. Um, if you want to see it, you have to get up at 4.50 a.m. and look up into the sky. It'll be about 4.55 a.m. that it passes by. Like, where are you looking to? What direction are you Just looking Just up in? in the sky for anything moving. Um, really? That's all I know. <laughs> There's a lot of sky out uh, there, man. Max height, 10 degrees. Appears 10 degrees north. Okay. Disappears 10 degrees north. Yeah. So oh. uh, it'll be visible for less than a minute because it's just got everywhere to go so many places to go yeah so but remember 455 a.m is when it'll be in the sky above guam but this is like nothing special you can literally just go to this the nasa website and it'll tell you whenever like it'll be like the next day or even later that day that it could be visible i'm glad you promoted it and then said this is nothing special it's not (laughs) So look at this thing, but it'll be nothing special at all. Yeah. Well, I didn't want them to think like, oh, look, it's an asteroid. Or it's no, not right. an asteroid. But, uh, like be terrified that something was flying yeah. at the Earth or something like, like Don't that. worry if you missed it. You can look again in like wow. another couple hours. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's – the other thing we were going to do is we've been talking about international incidents that have led to some sort of calamity or war – or something of that nature. We've been talking about international incidents. So let's talk about that for a moment as well. Yeah, well, I had a couple picked out. I'll just give a quick view of one, um, The because I can't speak German. The the Gleiwitz incident, it was a covert Nazi German attack on the German radio station, uh, Zendar Gleiwitz, on the night of the 31st of August, 1939. Um, so basically what happened was uh, Hitler had pretty much attacked himself with his own troops and disguised his troops as Polish troops and said that Poland attacked oh, them. Yeah. And that's why they had the right to go in a right. um, attack or whatever. And so um, I thought that was pretty interesting how he was up. It said the operation was intended to create the appearance of Polish aggression against Germany to justify the invasion of Poland. Um, evidence for this uh, attack was provided by a German SS offer, officer Um in 1945 so uh, nobody bought it though did they the world community did not buy that (laughs) little trick no interesting but and then uh, one really good one i I found was the korean airlines flight 007 007 yes Uh, really it was a scheduled korean airlines flight from new york city to seoul via anchorage alaska okay Uh, on, on the 1st of september 1983 the south korean airliner serving the flight was shot down by a Soviet uh, interceptor. The Boeing 747 airliner was on, en route from Anchorage to Seoul, but deviated from its original planned route and flew through Soviet-prohibited airspace about the time of a U.S. aerial reconnaissance mission. The Soviet Air Forces treated the unidentified aircraft as an intruding U.S. spy plane and proceeded to destroy it with air-to-air missiles after firing warning shots, which were likely not seen by the the Korean airline pilot. Um, the airliner eventually crashed in the sea near um, Monoron Island, hmm. west of it. 
in the sea of japan and so everyone right. everyone passed away in that um but the soviet union initially denied knowledge of the incident but later admitted shooting down the aircraft claiming that it was on a on a spy mission um right and so uh like korean was, airlines would be on a spy mission <laughs> but okay yeah um so the White House accused the Soviet Union of obstructing search and rescue operations. The the Soviet Armed Forces suppressed evidence sought by the International Civil Aviation Organization investigation, uh, such as the flight recorders, which were released eight years later after the dissolution of the Soviet Union. The incident was one of the most tense moments of the Cold War and resulted in an escalation of anti-Soviet sentiment. Um, particularly in the United States. As a result of the incident, the United States altered tracking procedures for aircraft departing from Alaska. The interface of the autopilot used on airliners was redesigned to make it more ergonomic. In addition, the incident was one of the most important events that prompted the Reagan administration to allow worldwide access to the United States global positioning system, the GPS. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is a big, that is a big one. And um, I don't, you know, I don't recall that from my childhood, but I think I've heard something about it um, in, you know, over the course of the last few years that that happened. But that's an amazing, um, really, that's a terrible blunder, frankly, by the, the, the Soviets at that, at that time. But yeah, international incidents, kind of what we're talking about today. So we're going to take a break. And we're going to come back for the last segment of the Live Till 5 program. Just about uh, 10 more minutes remain on today's Live Till 5. My name is Chris Harper, filling in today for Pastor Jared Baldwin. Today, welcome back to Live Till 5. My name is Chris Harper, filling in for Pastor Jared Baldwin, your regular host of Live Till 5. I want to remind you about our rebroadcast times. Noon to 2 Saturday, might be listening during that time, or from 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night on KHMG. Thank you for being with us live on Friday afternoon as well or via the podcast, whichever may be the case. Today, our theme has been international. We've been talking about many international topics. One I talked about earlier today on the live Take Note program, which is from 2 to 3 every weekday. The theme today was The Uttermost. We got that from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to those that were his disciples before he went back to be with his Father in heaven. And he was speaking to them about what was going to happen from that point on. 
And he says this in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 to his disciples, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be my witnesses, or ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. We began to talk about this today, uh, referring to this idea of the ministry we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ being an international ministry. This passage really all about our scope of ministry. The fact is, the Lord Jesus Christ says that we would be empowered to carry out the mission that he's given us. And he was speaking to the early church here about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, but certainly he could be um, speaking to those of us who know him today, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we have this application even for ourselves, that we're empowered now to carry out the gospel with the scope he's given to us, which is unto the uttermost part of the earth. He says this in this passage of Scripture, that we are to be a personal witness. That's what the idea of witness means. If you're to think about it in terms of a court of law, what they're really doing in a court of law is asking the witness to testify of something they have personally seen. And so when the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking here, he says, I want you to go out and tell what you have seen and what you have experienced and what you know to be a fact about me. And that's what we're to do. And that personal witness seems, could seem like it might be a drawback regarding the scope of the ministry we must have, even unto the ends of the earth. But the fact is, when those of us who've come to know him in some other place go to another place, we're bringing an eyewitness account. We're bringing a personal experience. We call it a personal testimony, and we bring that with us where we go. And the gospel message is used. We, we teach the word of God, but we use so many times and so often our own story to testify of the truth of the message of the gospel. And so we're to be a personal witness. And uh, the idea here is to begin close to home. Did you notice what he said? He said, uh, you'll be a witness unto me both at Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Start at home. Start in your village. Start on your island. Could be even closer than that. Your own family, your own neighbors, those who are in your neighborhood, whatever the case may be, you begin close to home and you begin near, not just far to start with, but you begin very near. So we're talking about all these things today in this message. And then, of course, because we're talking about international today, this expands this expands perhaps slowly, but it does indeed expand because it's, he says, go out farther than just your village, than just your island. Go to others that are round about on different islands, across to Asia, across to islands that are far flung, other continents, wherever the gospel has not been found or is not being proclaimed 
in a widespread way or consistently, wherever he leads, go. Take the message internationally. Well, that's the mandate we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd invite you to church this Sunday. If you don't have a church of your own, we'd love to have you at Harvest Baptist Church this weekend. I know that it'll be a time to be talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and pointing you to his word. It's a great opportunity. We begin at 9.30 a.m., got programs for children and adults, and then at 10.30 a.m., our regular morning worship service. Thanks for listening to Live Till 5.